I could work with any color guard. I don't care who they are in the country and sabotage them on show day. I would <laughs> right. tell them all the wrong things and use the wrong energy. I could goof them up. Yeah. I could get in their way. <laughs> now that I do have control over. And so does every other instructor in, in the world out there. You have control <laughs> to do that. So your job on show day is to not do that. Hey everyone, it's Matt with Invictus. Welcome back to the On Guard Podcast. Today I'm talking to Tracy Wooten about show day and all the things and all the practice and all the anxiety and ways that we can tackle a show day and make that a better experience for ourselves as a staff and make that a better experience for our members, which I think is probably the most important thing, right? Uh, if we're in the staff position, you know, we will take one for the team. So, um, I, I want you to imagine this. I, I taught for a long time. Truth be told, I'm, I'm a percussion <laughs> teacher and, uh, yeah, I know I, I help host a, a podcast about color guard, but, um, I want to say that my growth in this activity really increased the most, when it came to the group dynamics and how we talked to groups and how we prepared groups to perform, I learned that from Tracy Wooten. I learned that from a, a color guard person, right? So, um, and I think I learned more about these topics, these things I'm calling difficult topics, which is basically the HR way of saying, you know, stuff we don't talk about very often. Uh, or maybe stuff we should be talking about more often. Um, you know, what I'm trying to capture here with, with these Tracy episodes is some of these conversations that uh, just shook me and, and knocked my head open and got me to think about group dynamics a little bit differently, management of groups a little bit differently, our purpose with this activity a little bit differently. And I, I hope this helps you. And we're going to throw some opinions out there, some opinions about how we like to do things. And I'm going to ask Tracy to clarify some of those things. And then we're going to try to land the plane in a place of, of just offering some solutions for you. There, by the way, there's no checklist um, that we will never do that with this podcast. Um, you know, I could send that to you in an email. Hey, do this. Um, this is really just part of a conversation, an ongoing conversation. And there's a lot of gray area here. And it always depends on the group and the staff. And, you know, there's a lot of dynamics to every group. And that changes every single year. So um, if you're looking for that checklist or that bullet point list of these 15 things I should be doing on show day, we're not going to do that. Uh, but we will get into some of these topics of show day, how we approach the day, what we do in the lead up to a performance, what we do on the actual day of a show, and how we work with the group and address things that happen in the show after the fact in follow-up rehearsals. So with that, let's listen to my conversation with Tracy Wooten. Enjoy. talk about show day today and it's that thing where you just wake up and everybody's got these great vibes and everything magical starts to happen and then we just show up at the performance and everything goes perfect right 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 that's how it happens it's magic it's just magic right uh-huh yeah we uh we we teach them some skills at rehearsal uh, we yell at them a bunch of times for doing stuff wrong, and then we put them on the floor, and then we cross our fingers and hope it goes well. Right. Yeah. That's right. That sounds um, right. Or not. 
<laughs> or not. I think I think that's what a lot of people do. Like yeah. honestly, and I've heard stories. I've been part of programs like that that I've worked with where that's kind of what they do, and they don't really quite understand it, so they back away from it and the performers are nervous and the staff is even more nervous for the most part. I think I was much more nervous as an instructor than what I was as a performer and it kind of snuck up and bit me. I didn't see it coming because on the floor as a performer, right before you perform, of course you're nervous. Every performer is. Right. Um, and, and there's different levels of that too. Like I've actually been scared to death on the floor. Like, not like bad, not like, yeah, I'm nervous. It was like the bad nerves where it's like I might throw up yeah. kind of thing. And this is not even a thing that I enjoy doing right now. I just want to go home. And, um, and I'm sure a lot of performers feel that way about performing. And it's, and it's a real thing. And then when you become an instructor, it's like, really, this gets worse? This is actually worse. Um, sure. And like your body, yeah, you're watching your group and your body's actually shaking and you realize it, and then you try to not shake, um, knowing how you look and the whole thing. And But that that's when you see the instructors in the audience, and then they start clapping really loud and just screaming like an idiot in the middle over nothing. It's because they did something that they worked on that day rehearsal is what it is, but they're out of control, and all of that is nerves. And the performers are nervous, and that's what show day is. Yeah. That's exactly what show day is. Yeah, no, and obviously we were being a little snarky there at the beginning. Um, obviously we have opinions and um, strong opinions. <laughs> um, and, and everybody has, you know, a set of experiences that has led them into how they think about show day. So let's get into some of your experiences, but I think also it'll be important to talk about nerves a little bit and what that feels like mm -hmm. from a, a performer standpoint and even uh, a staff. I mean, I think the, the worst I ever personally felt was as a staff member, just walking down the tunnel behind, I, I didn't have anything to do. My job was done walking down the tunnel. Right. Um, right. It was all, it was all taken care of. And um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit still yet. I was numb yet. My stomach was turning. Um, you know, so I think there's some things to talk about just as an instructor. And then also as an instructor, you want to be able to take in and evaluate your performers on a show day, almost with the same mentality that you have, or not even almost exactly with the same mentality that you have in the gym. So, um, I think there's some perspective to talk about. So let's, let's get into the nerve side of things with, with performers. Well, yeah, it's, it's, everybody's nervous. Um, and it's never talked about even amongst performers, believe it or not. Um, it might be between some really close friends a little bit, but for the most part, performers will never bring it up because they think they're the only one. Yeah. And they'll hear things from their staff as well. If you're nervous on show day, it means you don't have your parts down. And they're like, great, now I'm nervous. And now I guess I don't know what I'm doing. Which makes now it I worse. suck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, nice. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then the staff is nervous, but they try to act like they're not. But with me over the years, if we have a staff person that can't control their nerves, and I understand it, it's real. I don't let them around us on show day. Yeah, they're not in um, trouble either. It might it's be, just, that's just, right. It, it's, it's not a pattern you're willing to repeat, right? Right, yeah. Um, like everybody around them needs to be as calm as they can be. Um, support staff. Um, my gosh, instructional staff, design staff. Any of those people they need that aren't part of bringing the performers through that show day process that are doing that. But if you have somebody that's calm, it's good to have them around because that energy spreads really quick. And, um, um, because that's the nature of that day. I start talking with the performers about nerves in December, January, 
like at least a month, if not two months before we perform. I, I always bring it up in December at some point. I don't think I break it down with them until they actually have and get more specific with process until they have at least half of the show done. Um, and then we start to talk about it more and more. And the reason I do that is you could imagine I don't bring it up at all, all season, which most groups don't. And then all of a sudden, right before the first show, I start talking to them about nerves or I show they have to talk to them about nerves. All I'm going to do is make it worse. <laughs> totally. At that point, it's too late. Yeah. But, but if you bring it up two months prior and explain it to them two months prior um, and you talk about it during those times, and then you back off a little bit, you know, the weeks leading up into that first show about that whole thing. Um, actually, you can talk about it a lot more openly and um, they'll accept to hear things more. And then I'll go through the whole thing. Like how many of you are nervous on show day? And I love it when the kid doesn't raise their hand and say, I'm not nervous. And I tell them they're not human. And I said, let's give them a round of applause because they are so special and unique and better than because they're lying. Um, now, it may mean my nerves don't get that bad on show day, but everybody's nervous, period. Right. And, um, and there's what? a chart that I hand them and I let them know what's going on in their bodies. These things are happening. You have these, these chemicals that are floating around because of nerves. Here's what they do. Here's how it affects you. Here's what it feels like. And then I'll list a whole bunch of things on how it feels like in that performance. Have, have you ever felt like it was like a dream? Like, um, like you weren't actually in reality. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Then you start naming all those things. Let it'll know that every, everybody goes through that. And then we talk about the tools and the things that we need to do, the steps that we need to take in order to be able to enjoy what we do and break through that a little bit and actually be alive on the floor, free thinking on the floor and actually be calm on the floor. Um, and that is every, every performer's dream is they just want to be regular on the floor. They want it to feel, feel like rehearsal. Um, and if you can give that to a performer, it's probably the greatest gift that you could possibly give them. Yeah. Yeah. And so just what I'm hearing at some point you have to address that fight or flight, the adrenaline piece, you, you got to acknowledge it. And so is that where you typically, you said that you start to introduce that idea in December. So, you know, December typically mm -hmm. two months before your first mm -hmm. performance. So, or six weeks ish. Right. So um, mm -hmm. is that, is, is it, is it kind of a, a formula in terms of how you roll these concepts out to a group? Does it depend on where the group is at? Is it different between a scholastic group and an independent group? Or is it all the same conversation? I, it's the same conversation. Right. Uh, except for the one difference is you can't compare winter with fall. Oh, totally. Fall's yeah. a breeze. Fall's right. a breeze. Yeah, you've got 180 other people out there with you, and you've got a track, and you've got yeah, and you've got yeah, barriers. the crowd's hundreds of feet away, and it's easy to, you know, but when you're in a gym and you're five feet away from the audience, and it's just the intimate surroundings there, believe me, it's different. It's a whole. You've got to have skills, and you've got to be prepared for that. And so we, and so then we start talking about, we set up guidelines and rules about behavior, um, about mindset, about what needs to be like being thought about while you're performing. What do you do when you come into the gym? I make sure that they have all of those types of um, um, scenarios to be thinking through to, to occupy the brain. Like you were talking about staying in the tunnel, not having anything to do at all. I make sure that they stay active the whole time, but there's always things that they need to be thinking about or doing. I talk to them in the hallway about the performance, about things that we need to remember that needs to happen on the floor as a reminder. I tell them where front is every time because that's unsettling too, because sometimes when you forget to tell them where front is, they will literally set their equipment up backwards. Oh, and, right. um, and then, and then that throws them off for the rest of the day. Um, panic mode sets in. So it's about keeping that panic from happening. 
even though they are nervous and then keeping their brains occupied until they get onto the floor. Um, and we have rules that we go through and warm up. We rehearse warm up. So when they're at show day, they they rehearse in their costumes. Invictus was wearing their costumes every Sunday. I wouldn't do that with a group if they're super uncomfortable and it's all of that. But um, I certainly would do as much as you can that way. So when you do get to a show, it's not like, oh my gosh, now I'm in costume. And what are we doing in warm up? And then, oh, well, I guess we're changing the flag feature before we perform. And all these things that are new lead to that panic and lead up to that bad performance. So it's getting rid of all those kinds of things as you can and being systematic with it. So the performers know exactly when they show up to a show site, we are going to do this. Then we do that. And everything is already worked out and rehearsed. And, and like I said, rules are given about what, about behavior, um, about what they're not allowed to do. And, and it's with that, it just comes from experience of mistakes I've seen performers do in warm up and before a show and all those kind of things, which is only going to harm them. Um, I know you have very firm rules about how you approach changes and uh, just, you know, chunks of the show or, or program where you don't even touch it. Even if you had an eight hour day before a show, which even that, I don't think you typically have an eight hour, eight hours of rehearsal on a show day, right? You typically go like a two and two or a three and three. I'll go four or five. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll go, I'll go four or five max. Yeah. Three to four is perfect. I think. Yeah. Um, and I think on finals day, I will rehearse them eight hours. Sure. I'm not going to rehearse them eight hours. I'm going to keep them in that gym eight hours. Yeah. Um, I'm like on purpose and yep. we'll take long breaks and I'm not going to wear them out or anything that way, but I am going to keep them in the gym for that, for those eight hours. Cause typically finals is at night. So I wouldn't wake them up early in the morning to sit in the gym, but I will keep them there that long. Right. And, um, and it's, and it's really paid off for me in the past. We don't change anything on show day. And I think a lot of instructors think, yeah, but it'll make the show better. But what they don't know is, Maybe they're right about that would make the show a little bit better, but I would rather have the group perform really well and catch everything. <laughs> and and then we'll get to that part later. And I think a lot of times they do it just out of nerves where I don't think the instructor's really free thinking either. I don't think the instructor's completely alive and they're doing what they think is right, but they don't realize how they're goofing up the performers. Um, like you got to really look at that. Like what's, because if you're doing that, they probably are going to have a bad show. And to be honest with you, I, I can remember, I was going to say, I can't remember the last time I had a group actually have a bad show. Um, it was the Vegas regional with Northern lights. And, um, um, they decided because we were at the Vegas regional and most of them are adults, 23 year olds that they decided they could go out the night before and they showed up with no sleep not physically ready at all and of course they had a bad show and that was the last one that was the last one um that was fixed we had a we had a curse at northmont where for like three years straight um the finals performance was horrible Mm. and and i'm like what is going on here well, I fixed it the last year I was there. I fixed it. I found out what, what it was, and I got rid of it. What was it? Um, the seniors were well, the, the seniors on their own decided they were going to have a senior breakfast. And then they would get up, like, and again, I'm going to keep them in the gym six, eight hours, right? And not work them hard. They're going to show up at, like, noon. We don't perform until, like, 10 or 11, whatever. And, um, um they would get up at like 5 a.m. and go have breakfast and cry and hug and talk about how much the season meant to them and how important finals is. And I had no idea this was going on. Uh, Probably they hid it from me because they knew I'd put a stop to it. But you don't like overemphasize how important this performance is on that day. And of course they were coming in with that energy into rehearsal, bringing that into the gym about how how much it means to them when it 
meant the same to everybody in the room. Yeah. And, um, and already in that heightened emotional state about how, how great they wanted to be. And then the minute I got rid of the breakfast, they performed great. So which one is the better gift to the performer, right? Yeah, Allowing them to have the breakfast and give themselves up or keeping them focused on the job and then celebrating after. And that's the one thing I tell them, like when you're on the floor, you've got work to do and you have to do your job. You don't enjoy the performance while you're in it. You enjoy that performance when you remember back to it, when you're yeah. looking back to what just happened. Yeah. It's only through remembering that you really enjoy that performance during the time you can't let things get to you and you got to stay involved in the moment and, um, and, and do your job. Yeah. And then when you look back on it, then it's like, man, that was amazing. And, um, so I think that's, and, and again, I think that's the goal of any performer. That's what they want. Um, yeah. And you, you're going to get all the pancakes you want when, when you crush it on Saturday. Sunday is, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, right. We're going to gush our emotions and give awards and we, we can do whatever we want. Let's just maintain the regular for, what a weekend should yep. feel like, what a Saturday should feel like. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, yep. I just watched this. I was the last time I was on a flight for all this craziness. I watched the, um, I don't know if this is going to resonate with anybody, but I, I watched the 30 for 30, you know, the ESPN. Um, and it was Wayne mm -hmm. Gretzky. And he was talking about when he got uh, traded to the King, you know, he grew up, he was a Canadian boy. He grew up in, uh, Edmonton or, or, you know, he, that's where his career started anyway. And he played, you know, won Stanley cups in Edmonton. He talked about going out on the ice before games. And he'd go to his same corner and he'd start every game in the same corner and he's, he's fixing his pads and he's taking shots and stretching. And he did that for thousands of games. And then, you know, all of a sudden he moved to LA and was in a different place and there was all this hype and it was all different and hockey was never the same for him again. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. uh, talking about a player who, you know, at the top of his, his, uh, his craft, you know, lost his regular. Um, yep. So I thought that was really interesting because see. it totally resonates with that routine and that performer almost, whether they know it or not, they want that regular. Yes, they do. And there are actors, especially like in um, live performances in theater that will be in their dressing room and they have to have certain things in there. And they go through these vocal exercises and these, all this different stuff that they'll tell you that they do. Basically not because they're trying to exercise their vocal cords, they're going through that thing the same as you're describing with him to where this is what they always do and this is what keeps them calm and this is what makes everything right with them. And so a lot of times when you hear that thing about like, I, I need a bag of Starbucks or um, Starburst in my room. I want five cookies. I don't think they're being needy as much as that's what they're used to and um, that they need these things there that helps them stay calm so they can do a good job for people. Yeah. Um, so I totally buy that. It's, I think it's the same, it's the same thing. So as much as you can keep things sort of, uh, standard on weekends and stuff, uh, the kids are going to do a really good job performing. Yeah. And I, I, I've been in groups, you've, you've been around groups and been in groups that have those pre-show rituals and people are known for them, you know, Cavaliers. I was in Cavaliers, um, we sang rainbow. It was really calming and mm -hmm. kind of you, everybody would show up at gate. You close your eyes, you'd hold hands, you'd sing rainbow and then you'd scream the splooey and it, it, it set the group, you know, it was this ritual. It, it, it became this, this yeah. thing where as a performer, it's like, we're not doing mm -hmm. that. Um, cause like I was in the pit, yeah. so we would actually have shows where we'd be on the, we'd have to be on the field and logistically whatever. We couldn't get back to the, the drum corps. Well, then we had like a, a plan B of what we did as pit. Um, but you had to have that mm -hmm. kind of pre-show ritual. Mm -hmm. That's why groups do that. I think at face value, yeah. it's like, Oh, these it's tradition and whatever. But it's like, no, that, that came about to get the group to perform well because it, 
yeah. it's that static thing that always happens. It's that regular. Yeah. And even if, whether it's a conscious choice on that's why they did it or not, that's what happens. Sure. And it is calming. And if you do goof it up that way, yeah, it will throw the performers off, but I think the performers can get used to anything if they're pre-warned about it. Right. And you can tell them like, okay, when we get in warm up, it is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be tight. We're going to be in this tent. So I want the weapons to go to the center instead of to the side. And you talk them through it and you rehearse it a little bit with them too. And then as long as I know what the circumstances are, then I can prepare them for it. Like, we're not going to have the wait in the hallway before we perform. We're basically going to go right in. Yeah. Um, and you keep telling them that too. Okay, after this, remember, there's no wait in the hallway or the show's running behind. There's going to be a wait. And you keep telling them this prior to, so nothing's – they'll adjust and adapt to it easy. And it's nothing. Um, what I don't like is when things happen where – at the show where they could have told us about this way prior, like um, – I wish I would have had knowledge of that. I could have prepared the performers better. And, um, yeah. Um, well, it's like Dayton every year, things- you know, Dayton every year, you're, the weather is a, a total crapshoot. So you're pulling up on the bo- the bus. It's, it's warm. It's cozy. Um, there's a hurry up and wait situation at the gate. You're going to have to go stand outside for a little bit, get your jackets. It's raining. The wind's blowing. 50 miles an hour here's you know yeah prep the group this is what you're walking into it's going to suck for 10 minutes and i promise you it's you, we're going to have a great day after that yeah as long as they know the, the kids will adapt they will certainly um do all the right stuff so it's it's not like all the circumstances has to be there but somebody's got to be with their calm letting them know what's going on um and then for the most part all that does and and this is what really helped me is um, I'm teaching a group and every time they perform, man, they are spot on. And, and I've had people come up and that performance was so magical. And I start laughing. I'm going, was it? Because I see that every day and we've had people come in, man, they're really fired up today. I'm like, no, it's how they look every day. I promise. They look like this every day. And this is how we do stuff. And so when I watch that performance where the crowd's going berserk, um, I'm not looking at them doing anything differently than I've seen them at rehearsal. And I think that's where some people really get like audience wise from their perspective, like, man, they were amazing today. They were giving, they were really, no, they do that at rehearsal. What you saw the last show is they were thrown off just a little bit. That's what it, that's what it looks like. So I've never had performers actually show up on show day and perform at a higher level than they do at rehearsal. Now, I will say I've gotten lucky a couple times where we've always got somebody that drops this because it's so hard, and it's early season, and we're not taking it out either. We're going to keep working on it because it's really cool. And on a show day, they all happen to catch. Um, That's luck. That's the odds or whatever. I certainly didn't expect that to happen. But it wasn't because something magical happened to them that day. And I think what a lot of instructors think is, that was awful. Well, you know, if your kids are deer in the headlights and they're nervous, they're not thinking right, they're reacting, they've been taught to kind of overdo and really sell it on a show day, change what they're doing a little bit. They didn't have these parts down anyway. They probably dropped it at rehearsal and you thought they were going to magically catch everything today. And now you're calling it bad. Like, what are you actually looking at here? Like, I think that the instructor's got more control over that. Not to make things great on show day. I don't think any instructor can do that. Like, I don't don't think that's possible. But I tell you one thing I could do. I could work with any color guard. I don't care who they are in the country and sabotage them on show day. I would (laughs) tell them all the wrong things and use the wrong energy. I could goof them up. Yeah. I could get in their way. <laughs> now that I do have control over, and so does every other instructor in in the world out there. You have control <laughs> to do that. So your job on show day is to not do that. Yeah, let's talk about that. So one of the things we we've talked about is on finals day or on WGI weekend. 
last weekend of the season. You know, a staff member can, you know, you're probably not going to unlock a whole lot of extra amazing skills. It's not like we all got on this bus and we showed up in Dayton and all these things came together. Um, that thing is locked and loaded before you get on the bus. And when you show up in Dayton, it's really about managing that energy and the headspace. And um, yeah. one of the things you've said is, you know, I'm not going to make them better in Dayton, but I can certainly screw them up. Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Um, yes. Um, I could literally sabotage anyone at any time. Um, that part's easy. Um, but your, but that magical performance that other people see is a remake of what they've been doing at rehearsal. I promise you it's yeah. exactly what they've been doing. You just stayed out of their way and your job is not to make them great on show day and to hype them up and to prep them and give them this really big, powerful speech that inspires them to do well. It's your job is to make sure that, and sometimes it may take a speech, to put them back to their center, their regular, so they can be alive on the floor and do their job. So I'll walk on the floor with any guard that I'm teaching and they can make mistakes and they can do things and I'll accept it and still be proud. Um, as long as they were free thinking and they didn't screw themselves up or I didn't screw them up before they go on. So the instructor's job is not to make them great. It's just to not screw them up on show day. And when you look at it that way, the pressure is kind of off a little bit. Totally. Just stay out of the way. Just yep. stay out of the way and don't goof them up. Um, and I see instructors literally goofing up kids. I can't tell you how many times um, at shows, yelling at them, just flat out yelling at them in the hallway because they're out of control. Yeah. It's like there's a time and a place for that. Um, if the group does make a lot of mistakes on the floor, um, it's probably because they're not well rehearsed enough to perform. Um, so don't blame the members. Just look at it and say, this is where we're at right now. We've got to get back and we've got to work harder. You yelling at them after they perform, all it does is alienate them. And you just separated yourself from being part of their process. You became this isolated thing where they goofed up your show instead of wearing this together. And you say anything when those emotions are heightened and they've got those adrenaline, that adrenaline pumping through their veins, emotions are heightened. Everything is, you know, and you talk to them that way when they get done performing, it's going to be weeks before you gain any sort of trust back with them. But I, but if you wait one day, you could be a lot more harsh <laughs> than what you did for on that show day. <laughs> sure. And yeah, because number one, you're going to be more calm yourself and you're going to be like, you know what? I'm glad I didn't say those things, but I do need to address this. I do need to talk to them about that. And I wouldn't have called her out, but today I can. And they'll actually accept it from you fine. Yeah. And those, those next morning talks that I have with the group after a show, those are my favorite times in the world. And I think they are for the performers too. Like they can't wait either. Yeah. It's like our after show day talk. And then all the performers get to tell on themselves. Yes. And which is a very important part of it to where I was so nervous. I did this and I thought I was going to throw up in my mouth and everybody's laughing um, because everybody's been there and it makes everybody feel human and even more calm and knowing that that's normal. And I did break this rule. I did break that rule. And then my comment will see, well, I saw you breaking it and I was ready to step in, but you actually handled it fine. Like, the, like it's all of that sort of thing going on. And, um, and, and there's also all this positive stuff. Like it just felt like my, like everything was landing so right. I had so much confidence. I remember I looked over at this performer and I could tell they were having a really good show too. And it's positive things too. Um, not just the negative stuff about everybody knew what they dropped. Everybody knew what they goofed up. Like we don't talk about those things. We don't talk about mistakes. Like um, that band director that shows a videotape to the band the next day to point out all the mistakes that the kids are already aware that they did. And then he keeps watching it like, like somehow 
it's going to correct itself. He's trying to fix the tape. He's not, he's not trying to fix the performer. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, we don't bring up mistakes. They were there when they made them. Um, and if it's a thing where, well, yeah, I dropped this again, it could be a thing that I've actually said, well, you don't have that down. That's why don't, don't blame it on nerves or anything. Yeah. I said, you, you don't have that part down. You got to get to work on that. And there's also this thing in performance that I call a psycho spot. And what a psycho spot is, um, they're only created on show day. They could be created at rehearsal on show day. Typically, they're created in a performance themselves. What it is, a part that you, you, you have down fine. Let's say it's a little flip you catch behind your back. Boy, you drop that in a show one time and you get back to rehearsal. No, I got this. It's fine. And then all of a sudden, next performance, here comes that part, and that's you're fixated on it because you forgot about it all week. You didn't think about it all week. And then right when you get there, you get all shaking, you're nervous, you overcompensate, and you drop it again. Yeah. Um, those are those – are, that is psychology at that point. That's not – the kid doesn't have the part down. And then I give them this list of things – that you need to do, to, you can actually erase those psycho spots. You can actually erase them and get rid of them. But you need to do all these things. And I make sure that they're doing them. I monitor rehearsal and I talk to them about it. It's always a positive conversation and they want the information. Like they want to be calm when they perform and catch all their things and do all the stuff. Yeah. Um, and they want that information and we work on it. And then it, and then it's, um, um, and then we're good to go. The other thing I want always is I wish that we could have about three weeks off before WGI of no shows, no anything. I wish they would do championships and then we had two or three weeks off and then we had Dayton. And if that was the case, I could almost ensure to you that, that the group is going to be literally flawless all weekend. And I've said that to people, and I think the opinion out there is, yeah, well, they're having this little show over here. I think we're going to get – we need to get one more under their belt. We need to get one more under their belt. And um, I have the opposite opinion of that um, because I'm looking at it through the eyes of the way that we just had this conversation, right, not just blindly guessing about stuff yeah, we need one more under their belt. I'm like, no, we don't. We need to stay away from it for a little bit. Um, With those psycho spots and stuff, time will get rid of them. But if you ain't got the time, you got to do these things like really quick in order to make up for it. Um, Yeah, like one of those seeps into championship weekend, you know, the weekend before your state championship. And then it happens again on Sunday in the run. Um, yep. and then it, yeah, then it becomes this thing and you're getting on a bus and going up to Dayton and it's like, Oh boy, what's yeah. When, yeah. Yeah. Especially when that little part was not even an issue for the first two months of the season. And that time of year is heightened too. And everybody, everything is under the microscope and everybody yep. in the gym knows that, Oh, she's, she's got this part coming up. Yeah. Yep. And, and it started with me where we had a board member come up and say, is he ever going to get that down? Uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's got it down fine. Then I realized, oh, he dropped it the last show. Oh, wait a minute. That's a thing. I need to talk to the members about this. <laughs> right. That's a thing. I'm like, I've seen this happen. And then why are you making mistakes on things that you had down the first two months? And then your brain starts to go. And then through conversation, you sort of figure those things out. But here's, here's the funny thing that we laugh about all the time talking about me and a group of performers is that everybody's first show is always really good. And you can say that to any instructor anywhere. Like how's your first before our first performance is great. Oh yeah, I bet it was. And then from there it gets really rough in February. Right. And then you keep working, you kind of figure it out in March. And that's the normal like progression that happens with most color guards through the season. And the question is, is why was that first one so good? It's because all the performers didn't go in there with anything else in their brain except for what they've been working on and what they've been told and what they've been applying at rehearsal. Right. And that's what their brains were doing on the floor. And, of course, they made mistakes and stuff. But overall, it was a good performance. 
every group makes mistakes even in April. Like that's that's part of our activity. But I'm not talking about that, just about like how everything worked and everybody's first performances is good. And I announced she's a group, you know, every year. I'm like, well, I do know that our first show at blah, blah, blah high school is going to be great. Do you know why I know it's going to be great? And the members say, because everybody's first performance always is good. Because the minute you say that to the group, they look back and they're like, no, he's right. He's right. You say that to any instructor. How was your first performance? Oh, it was great. And then this happened. So, of course, that's yeah. the normal. It's about, it's, a, it's, it's about training them mentally as much as um, the physical part of rehearsing. It's training them mentally the same way, and you need time to have that happen and sink in. If you're going to shows um, like five weeks in a row, you really don't have any control over what those performances, what those performers are actually thinking while they're on the floor and things get really out of control. So the perfect schedule for me is like weekend on weekend off weekend on weekend off. And then, like I said, if I could have two weeks before Dayton, I would take that at I would take that every time we had to cancel, um, our last regional, um, at Northern Lights one year because we kicked members out of the color guard in March and we couldn't perform there and still put the people in that we needed to and make the adjustments. We, if we did that, we were going to be like shooting ourselves in the foot basically for Dayton. And I tell you what, man, when we showed up there, it was Thursday night practice run Friday, Saturday, every rehearsal, they were just, everything was consistent and calm. Every performance was great. Um, all the way through. And it's because nothing else was in their brains. Yeah. Like leading up to that moment. And, um, just like every color guards first show that they go to. Yeah. And it's understanding that and managing that. And I think a lot of, um, instructors are afraid to bring it up because they're afraid they might see the wrong thing. And, um, and they might, I guess that's real. No, yeah. You could, yeah. but at the same time, be a, be aware of it and acknowledge it and don't say things like if you're nervous today, it's because you don't have your showdown when everybody's nervous anyway. Like let's not pretend. And, yeah. Um, well, in, in the, the show experience, because we spend 95 to 96% of our time together during a season in rehearsal, maybe even higher. 98% yeah. of our time. I mean, the, the, the pie chart of the, the amount of time that you're performing during a season when you're together with the group is microscopic. It's a sliver. And so right. and obviously there's nothing like a great performance and how that feels and what a room full of, of, of people reacting to, to your group. I mean, there's, there's no, better feeling that's a that's a thing people chase that's why we perform um it's a big part of why we perform but you know the idea that you're gonna let a bad show then kind of dictate then now some bad vibes that go into the gym and um you know it really is the opposite the opposite is we're gonna learn from every performance and we're going to spend that rehearsal time talking about it a little bit, if it needs to be talked about. But mm -hmm. we're on the right track with things. I mean, I, I say it all the time. I, I've said it all, all the time with my, my group. You know, if they have a bad run at, at, the sh at a show, you know, usually it's because there's some anomaly. There's some, like, there was some exception to the rule from what we've seen from them um, mm -hmm. this season. And if that's the case, I'm not even going to bring it up unless somebody brings it up to me. Unless one of the members is like, yeah, that part of the show really sucked. What happened? Well, don't worry about yeah. it. We, that, has that ever been bad before? No. Okay. So what can we chalk that up to? Yeah. Well, it's just, yep. it was a show and, then, and maybe this happened and maybe this didn't feel right. And, um, but are we going to spend that whole Sunday afternoon breaking down that part of the show. No, we've had that for weeks. Why get in, yep. in the group's head? Right. 
and hitting it over and over and over again. It's like bringing up dropping. You dropped it, take it back. You dropped it, take it back. Um, if we're running a chunk, <clears throat> for instance, and I don't see any application of anything that we're working on, and I see half energy out there, I'll stop that. I'll stop it right in the middle, and I'll send them back to the beginning of that chunk we're working on. I won't let them finish it. Um, I'm not going to let them go through that experience of it's okay to rehearse badly. Yeah. Um, but, but in their brain, it's probably because they heard a drop and my, it, it with me, it could be amazing. And we had four drops and I'll say going on, I leave it up. Every performer is going to make mistakes. They realize it and they don't want to make mistakes and they're going to work on them to get rid of it. So me harping on it's even going to make it worse. Yep. So it's, yeah, I'm not going to put something in their head. that's not there already when it doesn't need to be. Um, but I'll be straightforward on addressing what is going on. Um, and well, this happened there. That's nothing we need to rehearse. If we ran it right now, I know that it would look amazing. So what it is, is when we get here, here's how you have to approach it. Here's what you got to put in the brain. It's the same thing you're going to think about right now. Cause I just said it and you get into this raw energy in performance and then you miss this little part here that's what causes the avalanche to happen yeah and you talk them through it um and everything is good i think when the performers actually start to buy into this and they understand it completely um that's where you're really going to get some good stuff from them and yeah. and i can remember like going through this process with the color guard and we perform WGI finals. The crowd is on their feet. They're stomping. And I'm all excited. My adrenaline's pumping. And I'm running up the tunnel, um, all excited. And I look at the performers, and none of them are even smiling. None of them are, I thought they would all be jumping and hugging and stuff. And they just dropped the floor and started folding, putting away their equipment. I brought them in to tell them what a great job they did. And um they're all happy about it but i'm like where did that excitement go um but then i realized there's nothing for them to be excited about to them they didn't do anything special they didn't do anything magical they were just so glad that they did their job like so glad that it felt comfortable on the floor and like i said that's the biggest gift that you can give to any performer is allowing them to feel that um and experience it like uh that in itself is what every performer I think wants. And I think that thing where you see the group jumping and hugging and crying when they get done is where my theory is, um, they were, had really bad nerves during the headlights on the floor, kind of out of their minds a little bit and they got lucky and caught everything. Yeah, they got That's through. Think, they survived. Yeah, they're like, and then people clapped for them, and they caught everything. And I, and then I think that that overreaction of the crying and the hugging happens because of those circumstances. But, um, but I've seen the best performances, um, like that take the house down and the stomping and the whole thing, um. And then when the kids get to the top of the tunnel, just calm and taking care of business like normal, nothing special. Now they'll cry and they'll hug. Like yeah. as we talk in the circle and they did a great job and they love each other and all that stuff. But it's not that immediate. I'm talking about the immediate reaction of right when they get to the top, right when they get out of the gym doors that you see some groups going through. Hi. It's yeah. they take care. Yeah. It's yeah. But you have every right to cry and hug and feel great about what you do. And, um, and they still do, but it's, Again, it's 10 minutes after the fact. It's not right when they get done. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm just just thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe shows do feel like uh, kind of a, a roll of the dice. You know, if, if you're an instructor and shows have always felt that way or, you know, maybe you're a younger director and some of these things, you know, you've been thinking about and how do I – you know, how do I make that connection between performance and, and rehearsal and where would somebody start even begin to try to 
kind of correct or or change their thinking around this type of approach? Um, because everybody well, says they, it, right? Everybody says, well, we got to, you know, practice like we perform or perform like we practice or whatever. You know, it becomes one of those things that doesn't have much when meaning you, when it's just said to you like that after years. And There's a lot of stuff in color guard that we say that has no meaning. Right. That makes everybody feel good, but nobody really, but what you got nothing done. I know what you mean. You got nothing accomplished by saying that. Now they'll say that, but at the same time, it's like, all you have to do is tell them, okay, guys got a big crowd out there. So I want you to lift your, and that's where you're making the mistake. You have to, that's what you teach them at rehearsal. Um, you don't say, well, yeah, now it's time to turn it on. You just remind them about what you've been rehearsing and you have to make them rehearse the way that you want it to look when they get in front of people emotionally too, in character and role. You want to rehearse that and, um, and don't let them stray from it and don't give them variances on, Oh, you were spectacular today. It's like, if I, and I've seen that like with high school programs where this kid shows up on show day and they're incredible at everything and they're giving and they're, you know, they're feeling their parts. It's like, yeah, great job. But see, now you're in trouble because that should have been at every rehearsal. So now you're in trouble for doing that, but congratulations. Yeah. And um, you've got to keep them doing that at rehearsal and not doing anything where you're saying when you put on your costume, now you're Superman and making comments to them where you're, you're, you are separating rehearsal from that. Now, when I say stuff like we want it to be the same, it is never the same. Performances are never the same as rehearsal. We just try to make it as close as we can. There's too many other factors involved with nerves and adrenaline and emotions are heightened where it's going to be different. You just want it to be within a certain range, right? A certain area that you yeah. want it to stay in, but yeah. it's always going to be different. Like, like I'm not going to say it should be exactly the same because we all know that ain't going to happen. Yeah. And, um, um, but anything that you can do that way is going to help set them up for success and basically take the pressure off you thinking that you've got to hype them right before they perform. Just stay out of the way, keep them calm and keep them active and keep talking to them, watch them perform. Don't yell at them in the stands when you get excited. Um, you know, don't yell at them when they get done performing. Wait, wait one day. Just take oh, a day off. Yes. Right. Take a day off. Yes. And, Let's and, talk about that and, a little bit. Um, yeah. Do you talk to your group after performance? Um, very shortly. And okay. if it's great, I say, no, you guys were great. Yep. Um, and, but then, um, but then what do you do? I leave it alone because we're going to have our talk the next day. I give them information about like loading of the truck and are we going out to dinner? Yeah. I keep it regular, but yep. yeah, nobody's in trouble. And if they are, you know, where everything lined up right and all that stuff, I don't hype it either. I just tell them great job. Um, good job today. Um, well, how was the performance? Because I'll ask you and I'll say, well, in this one, I would, I would call that performance good mixed with a bunch of dumb stuff that happened and they'll yeah. laugh, Yeah. but I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not, but I'll talk to them about it tomorrow. So I said, even our, I, I'll even tell them either we have great runs, good runs, or we have runs that I call educational where we all have something to learn from them. Yeah. And that's where I leave that on show day. And like I said, you wait one day, you can basically say whatever you want the next time you see them and they'll accept it. Yeah. And you're calmer and they're calmer and you can actually talk about stuff. Um, I, I used to have that thing where it was like, that was for, for me to pull everybody in and like demonstrate my knowledge of the show and where, you know, nitpick and, and do this play by play. Okay. We got to the, we got to the six, eight here and, and this was a little off and then, Oh, you know, Jeremy, you hit some wrong notes here. And, um, and then when we got to the trios, that was, you know, and it, it, it was more like me flexing to show everybody um, that I, I caught all the stuff. Like the instructor that sits at the top of the stands. And when they get done running the chunks, she reads a whole list of things. Yeah. That, 
We're not right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you're going to love this. I I'm telling on myself. Re- uh, no, it's good. Um, I've got a response for that. I've got a really good response for that. That will be good for, for you or anybody is all kids want to hear is what you want them to do next. Yeah. So if you're not telling them something that you'd like for them to do next, you're talking about nothing. Now, um, I'm talking instructionally. So describing something really doesn't do a kid any good. And you were like this, this time, and this happened, and then you rolled here, and then you're like, oh, my God, and ha, ha, ha. It's like, um, what do you want them to do? Oh, I want her hand stronger on three, so none of that. Ha- okay, honey, get your hand stronger on count three. Yeah. Moving on. You tell them what you would like for them to do next. Um, um, that's who they're going to respect the most and have the most trust in. Um, are people that are telling them, like, here's how to get better. If it's at rehearsal or if it's after a show, they don't need a recap. No. Um, no, they just need, yeah, great job. I can't wait to talk to you guys about this tomorrow. And they're all excited, especially when they do well. And especially when they have stories that they want to share with everyone or they tell on themselves yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did this and I did that and it's all good. And we all learn and we all grow from it. Um, and, and like I said, that's where you really can have the talk and wait a day, wait a day. Yeah. And yeah. And, and get them out of there and, um, send them out to dinner, get them out of the costumes. You know what I mean? Let them, you know, unwind a little bit. They don't want to stand up there in a cold parking lot here. And you described your show to them. They were there when they did it. Right. So yeah, well, that's my response to all those kind of things is like, just tell them what you want them to do. That's what they, that's all they need to hear is what you would like for them to do and they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it also gives you then time to reflect if, right. It it gives you that time of that drive home and the, the hang that night and, and whatever, whatever you do after the show and then wake up in the morning and start to distill no, you know what? Yeah. I think that I think that spot that spot's been good for weeks. I, I'm not even going to talk about it. That's not even worth it. Um, yep. If they tell on themselves, we'll talk about it. Uh, what I really yeah. need to do is this thing I was focused on yesterday in rehearsal that actually had has nothing to no reflection on their performance from yesterday. Um, yep. Let the performance thing be. I really need to keep hammering on this um, little nuance thing yep. that I was trying to master on saturday that we didn't quite get yeah i think it'd be i think it'd be a mistake if the group got done performing and you weren't out there with them and you didn't address them somehow yeah um that doesn't mean that it's a lecture or a talk but they need to hear from their instructor um i think it'd be a mistake if um you didn't talk to them about the performance the next day it's 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 kind of like going out and playing golf and you're going to play nine rounds with your best friend and then on the way home you're not allowed to talk about it you want to talk about it that's you know like that's the fun yeah and so um you know that's our time is that next morning that rehearsal and everybody even gets to plan what they're going to talk about they get excited about it and we all learn from it and then with a group that that is open and they communicate honestly then everybody learns something including me All right, so if you like what you heard, I would keep going on this by listening to the Zach Sandoval episode. Uh, Get to know Zach, listen to the whole thing. Uh, About halfway through, he starts talking about his mental checklist that he goes through. And he goes through a few shows, and he goes through some of his favorite parts of the show. But it was really interesting, uh, if you want to get that that member perspective of some of these things we're talking about, Go listen to Zach, because he breaks that down quite a bit. Lastly, help us out at our Patreon page. If you like what you're hearing, you want to hear more of this, that Patreon definitely keeps us going, keeps us uh, energized with, uh, with support. And so I wanted to real quick just mention a few of our uh, higher level patrons that have come in just this past week. 
I wanted to thank Kylene Mitchell, Nelson Cheney, Melissa Jones, Joe Berrigan, and Michelle Hewitt. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to support Invictus, like these kind people, head over to patreon.com slash Invictus World and pick a level that works for you and help us out. All right. With that, we'll talk in a few weeks. Take care, everyone. Sorry, guys. I, I, I lost my composure out there. I'm an idiot. Frankie, don't worry about it, all right? We're going to make those points if I promise you that. And your skin's going to grow back, too. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, now how many events do we actually have left here? One. Uh, Frank's accident definitely set us back, but if we pass, if we pass athletics, we're in, so... Come on, all right, everybody. That's what I'm talking about, guys. We've made a great effort so far. Let's just keep it up. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to just keep our composure.